welcome to another great podcast. Our next guest really needs no introduction. She's a chef who has won the Victorian Apprentice of the Year, has worked overseas in London, Paris and Chicago, and in the UK won the award for excellence for best dessert in the UK. She's an author, TV host, appearing on MasterChef Australia and Family Food Fight, and she likes to go by the name of Sweet Creator, but we are going to talk about all things savoury going into 2021. She's also spent over seven years in Sydney's Shangri-La Hotel as creative director of pastry. Welcome to the show, Anna Polavu. I did that right, didn't I, Anna? How was that? Oh. <laughs> Everyone struggles with a surname, but you know, it's, it's unique. So I think having a bit of a stumble there is always a great thing as well. Um, you know, like it's funny, you know, you say all these things that I've done and sometimes I think as you progress in your career, you forget about mm. the beginnings mm-hmm. and you just, you know, you focus so much on what's ahead that you're not, I was just sitting, sitting back tearing up and very humbled about all that because I remember the whole journey to achieve what I had to achieve yes. to get where I was. So yeah, uh, thank you so much. I mean, I'm, I'm content for today. <laughs> this podcast has been amazing. Well, honestly, it's been, it's, um, uh, you've been on my hit list for a, for a long time and I just feel really honored to have you on the show. Um, for many different reasons, and I know that obviously, you know, you've you've had a really great career the last um, 15, 15, 20 odd years, and and you know, I just really wanted to talk about that because a lot of people who listen to this podcast, you know, are from the industry who are working in it, obviously, and are, and are maybe starting their careers. Um, so, do you want to talk about how you started yours? Because I know that there's been so much amazing stuff that's happened, and, and I know you could provide so much value there. So, how did you start out? Yeah, so I um, finished obviously high school and I didn't go to the best high school out there and I really struggled in school as well. Mm. Um, I was very, I'm very creative, yes. but, you know, like, you know, reading and writing, you know, I would also um, struggle because I am from a Greek Cypriot background, first mm. generation Australian, I'm very proud of that. So my parents didn't really, you know, we didn't speak English at home. Um, right, at all. So at, at all, really. Wow. It was all Greek. So I know how to read, write Greek, I think, better than English. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I think better because Dad used to do my Greek homework. But, um, <laughs> so, you know, struggled in that perspective. I went, I tried to get into Hotel Sofitel back in the day and that was the best of the best mm. there. You know, you know, we said about um, Gary Megan was there, Raymond yes. Capaldi, what a complete legend and psycho. I loved him. <laughs> um, you know, Shane Dilly, I did his apprenticeship there and he was mm. one year above me and same as George Columbara. So, mm-hmm. You know, Shannon Bennett was there. I mean, the Donovans and the, you know, so all that kind of stuff was happening back then. And that was the best of the best. I mean, you had the butchery, you had pastry, bakery. So we're all, you know, all the best pastry chefs. So, Mm -hmm. and chefs. So try to get in there, didn't get in there. Went to William Angus College for two years and Mm -hmm. then reapplied and I got into Hotel Sofitel. And that was a big deal back then. Yes, absolutely. Um, Struggled for the first two years. Um, They're going to kick me out. Actually, um, Andy North. Um, if anyone knows him, he's mm-hmm. a legend as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one day he just said, you know, Polly, you better get your shit together. And there was a few <laughs> more words added in there that were a bit, um, you know, R-rated. And then from there, it just made me realise the importance of it. So I got thrown into a competition, did really well. And then that was my new party scene. Because mm. I was so focused on partying because I was young as well, you know. Of course. In your 20s. And there's no lockout laws like now. So, <laughs> yes. You know, and, and then from there, that was my... I was obsessed with just getting better and mm-hmm. being better. So mm-hmm. I was a, um, a kitchen chef that mm-hmm. also got thrown into pastry. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I started loving that. So I went to the restaurant, which was a two-hat restaurant back then. And, I mean, the prices were 
you know, it was all males in there as well. I was mm. only female in that kitchen, which was, you know, different. Um, and then I did really well and I got a scholarship overseas. So I got to work anywhere I wanted and I picked um, Claridge's Hotel. Right. Because that's just, wow. Like, yes. You just knew that that was going to be the place for you, like from what you'd read and what you'd heard or? No, I really wanted to go, first of all, to Dorchester. Yes. But the Iraq war had broken out back then. So mm. the occupancy in that hotel specifically had dropped. So they weren't hiring anyone. But they were using Verona chocolate. They were doing Garrett on service. They were all mm-hmm. wheeling around the trolleys and, you know, doing silver service of, you know, sweets. But they were very classical. Yes. Yet yes. when I went to see my friend Julie Sharp over at Claridge's, it was a bit more modern, very specific, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's a whole different world. And, you know, we've got John Williams that's now over the Ritz Hotel mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. in London, and it was an eye-opener, and it made me really love, you know, my craft 100%. Yeah, yeah. Did you, What did you find the main differences sort of were between the Australia and the and the UK in, in relation to their kitchen teams and, and the culture? Um, very disciplined. Okay. You know, like, um, you know, coming in 15 minutes before, um, completely hygiene, you know, top to bottom for, the, you know, your whole appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, chef, no back talk. Mm. And you just put your head down and that was it, you know. And, and I love that whole army structure. Yes. You know, thing. And I still maintain that disciplined, you know, when I was over at um, Shangri-La. Mm-hmm. You know, so everyone that walked in and knew that they had to be clean shaven for the males and the women had to make sure there was no nail polish and short nails. And, yes. you know, we walked in and I always say, if you look like shit, you're mm. going to completely produce shit. Yeah. So go in with self-respect mm. and you'll respect your products that you're using. Mm-hmm. And we'll also look after our guests as well. And that's yeah. the most important thing for us. So it's always been about, obviously, you know, the young chef's, getting the skill level that they require yes. but also our guests and also the brand that you're working for like you know we always wanted to make sure Shangri-La got the most you know the good feedback and you know all those good you know reports and that was really important for me because yes. you're working for a brand you represent the brand yeah yeah 100 percent. i was lucky enough to learn that really early as well and i think it it always stood well with me um yeah. let's let's step back a bit and how did you decide that pastry chefing was the one for you? Because obviously as you're doing your apprenticeship, you would have learned all different parts of the kitchen and, yeah. and um, I've met a lot of um, normal chefs who like to think they can bake bread and, um, and do pastry and that kind of stuff. But it is, it is really, really difficult. So like what, what drew you to being a pastry chef? I got thrown into the deep end. Okay. So they were going to actually kick me out of um, Sofitel because I was naughty. Okay. Um, and then they needed an extra team member for a competition. So that's when they put me into um, do pastry. Right. And I had to learn it quick, quick, smart because I was going into competition with another three more, you know, fellow chef apprentices. So I couldn't mm. walk in there not knowing what I was doing. Yes. So I had to learn how to temper chocolate, how to make mousses, sponges, sugar work just everything. And I think I was a second year apprentice by then. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just changed my life. And that's what got me to where I am now with, you know, obviously um, doing a pastry, but, but also at Sofitel back in the day, we were doing six months in each place. Right. So we'll do six months in lighter banquet, six months in hot section. Then we'll do six months in pastry. We'll do six months in the cafe, the restaurant. Um, so we were very spoiled in the sense of training and development. Yeah. And I think we stopped doing that at hotels, you know, where a lot of hotels are buying stuff in now. Yes. You know, yeah. and it's really sad. And I think, you know, you've got apprentices and you nurture them and, you know, and grow them up to be chefs, young guns. Why do you think that's missing, Anna? 
Why, why do you think that change has happened? Do you think it's just the fact that people aren't going to hotel, you know, um, restaurants as much anymore? Like I remember when I sort of started out in the industry um, in Adelaide in the late 90s and stuff, um, like Chong Lu at, at, at Hilton and Grange was like the place to go, right? It wasn't, it wasn't an independent restaurant, you know, a Rundle Street or, or in North Adelaide or anything. It was the Grange. And I don't feel like that has happened as much, especially in the last sort of 10 years. Like, do you have any sort of insights into that? Oh, 100%. Mm. Because don't forget back in the day, like, you know, the 90s, we had everyone from Europe coming over. So you had the Europeans as, you know, senior, you know, chefs. Yes. So they were training all of us Aussies, mm. you know, and that's what I want to do. I want to go overseas, learn as much as I can and come back. And when I came back, you know, hotel scene had changed. Mm. So, you know, there was, you know, pastry was not important yes you know it was always about savory but back in those days as well you would have to go to a hotel to get their best food mm. and now we're lucky enough that there's all these restaurants out there that have got brilliant food but not a lot of people will go to a hotel to dine yes and that's where i fell into shangri-la and where that's where i wanted to be mm. change the scene but i mean after being there for seven and a half years i think we did a, a great job of that yes you know you know, we're the rock stars of all hotels, you know, <laughs> and 12 pastry chefs, you know, we had 12 pastry chefs, um, you know, PR value. And I know that everyone's like, oh, and as a celebrity chef, but I had to do that to get people into the hotel to get the team I wanted. Yeah, right. So if I don't have that exposure, then I can't ask for the extra staff members. I can't do the events that I want to. So yeah. getting that media attention feeds it back into my team and feeds it back into the hotel and we grow and we develop and we learn so much. So that's where that came from. So, yeah, so you're absolutely right. Now, obviously, with COVID and what's happened, I mean, all hotels are stripping back and there's no – no one's going in there really. Yeah. So that's quite sad. Yeah. When when you did start that seven and a half years ago with Shangri-La, were you, were you trying to take some elements of what you'd learnt – at Sofitel and bring that into the Shangri-La culture? Like were you wanting people to be part of competitions? Were you were you trying to drive that training from, you know, the ground up and that kind of stuff in order to really build credibility in the dishes you guys were producing? Oh, 100%. So I went obviously from Sofitel over to Claridge's, mm. um, came back to Australia and goes, what's going on? And I was working at Bather's Pavilion at that time. Oh, wow. Okay. And then there was a job opportunity um, – at Shangri-La, my friends like, do not go to Shangri-La or any other hotel because right. that's where chefs die. Right. You know what I mean? And yes. I was like, okay, great. So I walked in there and I took a 10 grand pay cut. Right. But before that, they didn't want to hire me because I was a workaholic since when's that been an issue? Yeah, I've um, never I, heard that I, before. Yeah, that was an issue <laughs> for the culture. I didn't really fit within the corporate hotel thing. Right. But I remember walking into the kitchen and I said to the chef there, and I'm sorry to, be, uh, to say this, but I said, give mm. me this fucking job mm-hmm. and I will create magic for this hotel. Yeah. I can, I have a vision and I can see this changing and I need this job. And he goes, but you're going to get a 10 grand pay cut. I said, I will manage. And he goes, are you sure you want to do this? Mm. And I said, 100% I want to do this. Mm. So I took one of my chefs, one more at Babers. She left, yep. went over. Within the first day, we did a 24-hour shift to do new high teas because that's what they, they needed a high tea for the next serve. So I was like, hey, let's just gun it. <laughs> yes. You know, and we, and we just did. And it was just like, wow, I've never seen him like it. You know, so it was a lot of the stuff that we learned from Pierre Herme, Claridge's, Sofitel. Yeah. Yeah. But we wanted hotels to be a destination. So we did Chef's Table 
in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did Sweet Street where everyone's trying to take the brand but we're trademarked it, but anyway. Um, <laughs> into the hotel where there's, you know, graffiti artists and B-boys and B-girls. So we want to transform a hotel to make it a bit more comfortable for people. Sure. The price point was good and we brought all these other chefs and talents in there as well. I mean, that went viral. That was the first time anyone's ever seen a dessert festival. Now mm. everyone's copycatting. That's all right. Of course. That's a compliment. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Made you really, really smashed it. Yeah. So, you know, and we, you know, sold out high teas and, you know, we, we spoke about obviously before, you know, I would bring $9 million worth of PR value to that hotel. That's insane, Anna. Oh, man. It feels good. Yeah. You know, it's not just about me. It's the team behind me. It's the marketing team. And I was with my friend Dean that looks after the PR and she goes, and I never had to chase media. They would just come to us because you're always doing something different and innovative and, yeah. you know, yeah. awesome. I don't know, I loved it. <laughs> I get a buzz out of it, you know. Yeah, like, absolutely. Can we can we talk about training for a second if that's okay? A hundred percent, I've heard a lot of podcasts in the recent couple of months, um, especially with Gary Megan's podcasters, um, talking about George Calambaris and Shane Delia and, and Gary and, and talk about the amazing culture that was happening at that time with yourself um, in hotels. And... Yeah. My concern is that that is not there as much. Obviously, you tried to create that at Shangri-La and did a really good job in that period of time. But, like, it's pretty obvious from a person like myself who's sort of around kitchens and that kind of stuff that there are skills that are being missed in our industry yeah. around around chefing and not so much pastry chefing. I think pastry chefing is actually and, – and being a boulanger and all that kind of stuff is – I think that sector of the market is actually doing pretty well. But – but the chef part of the market, I think, is is um, has some challenges. Like, what do you think we need to do as an industry to train our people better so we get apprentices actually doing their three and four year commitment, actually getting proper skills? Um, do you think it's things like competitions, like you did um, in your early part, to give you structure and and some form there, or do you have some insights? Yeah, I think it's about utilizing our suppliers. Mm. You know, if you're getting um, you know fruit and veg from your providors. Yeah. Get them to take the team out to the farms or take them to the markets, yep. educate them like that. So you're not actually spending money, but you're using your resources. Mm. You know, I remember at Shangri-La, there was a chef, a commie chef that couldn't even fillet a fish. Went in there with wow. my tools, like just sharpened my knife and filleted it and pin bones and showed them how to do it. And they're all like, what's just going on? Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, does that head chef know how to fillet a fish? Yeah. Or are they buying, you know, sides of fish in and they don't know Mm. You know, and I think, you know, go to the fish markets, see what they're doing, understand your produce, mm-hmm. you know, volunteer your time for free. Yes. And and fillet fish. Mm. You know, go to your butchery. There's so many great butchers out there and break down a whole carcass. Mm-hmm. You know how to cut your meats, understand your, you know, what's going on fish, you know, like all your different cuts. Yes. You know, and patients, same thing as well. Like mm-hmm. I was at textbook, my friend owns textbook, and I'm sitting there making bread doughs with them and croissants and everything. And everyone's like, what is she doing? And I'm like, I'm going in to just touch up my, you know, training. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yes. You know, but I think once we start being arrogant, we forget about the basics and we need to just be humble, learn our fundamentals and go out there and do it. Yeah. That's it. And I think hotels to restaurants, we need to still go truffle hunting, um, go fishing. Right? Yes. Like, you know, and I know that's really simple, but it's just go fishing, understand it. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because I know that there's there's so many more things we're talking about as an industry now in relation to, you know, mental health um, and, and all that kind of stuff and taking time away. Like I do wonder 
how we balance chefs and people in hospitality wanting to do a 38-hour week. Um, mm. That's nothing I did for the first 10 or 15 years of my career. But like doing that and sort of gaining those skills and having – Having that love, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really interesting transition how we how we do all that and make sure that we pay our people correctly and make sure that we, you know, charge appropriately for for the meals that go out. It seems like yeah, this interesting course. balance, right? Well, you are talking to an old school chef. Yes. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I never looked at my watch. I never considered yes. yeah. um that I was working overtime because when you love something, mm. there's no such thing as overtime. There's no such thing as a job, it's a hobby. Yes. And I think that's where people's mindsets got to change. You know, we are, yes, you know, people have changed and people just want to work for 38 hours and that's great for them. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a certain way you're going to progress. Mm. So you're going to hit just a certain point and that's it. Yes. You don't put the time and effort into anything. How are you going to even go anywhere? Like I'm a qualified chef, been on TV, worked in the hotels, worked in restaurants, and I still got up at four to work. Yeah. And I don't know what time I'm going to finish. And the other day I did a 15-hour day or whatever, you know, still mm. couldn't sleep because I was buzzing, <laughs> you know, like I was excited and I was just like, oh, my God, I'm in the shit. I've got to get myself out of it. How do we do it? You know, so I did a mise en place list at midnight, mm-hmm. sent it to my team. Obviously, you know, normally you would have the sheet, but I text everyone, this is what's going on. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. And I smashed most of it myself because I was just going. So I think, you know, if you want to do a 38-hour week, you're going to achieve a certain amount. Mm-hmm. But if you want to do your 38-hour and then out of your 38-hour, go and do work experience, read your books, read your book like it's a, like it's a novel, you know, yeah. your recipe books, understand what's going on, understand about produce, understand about methods and techniques. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, Gary, Gary was the one that was, you know, did Culinary Academy at Sofitel. He built it, you know, with, you know, oh, I don't know. I just... I'm funny about that, the 38-hour weeks. Yeah. I understand it and I understand about balance. Mm. But I think if you want to progress somewhere in life, you don't just do 38 hours. And it's just hospitality. Mm. Lawyers, yeah. accountants, they're all doing it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's I do believe that people do need to be paid properly 100%. Mm. But if you want to volunteer time in your own time to learn and progress, then that's a very different thing. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And it's definitely up to that that individual. Like do you think that's come from you wanting to do those extra things and wanting to work that bit longer because you knew you were going to gain that experience? Do you think that's come from a mentor like Gary or do you think that's come from a fact that it's just the industry you're supposed to be in and you've fucking loved it and that's how, and that's how it was rolled? Like, Yeah, I, I love our industry. I love what it's about. I love the fact that we are the rock stars of our creations I, I love that part and i love that mm. it's so artistic and creative oh my god you know and then we produce a dish and we just oh my, you have the best sleep <laughs> but if you produce a, a dish that's not great mm. you just start thinking it. or if a customer tells you that it's not a great dish i won't i'll lose sleep for two three nights and i'll go back mm. to that dish yes and see what was wrong with it you know is the guest right i don't know but i think you know don't forget i worked with marcus moore marcus moore is a brilliant chef and he told me and in your career, you need to make sure there's something else happening. So, yes, you've got your job. Yes. But then what else are you learning? What other competition are you doing? What else are you reading? What else are you, you know, like, are you going to the markets? Are you seeing what's out there? Mm. All that. It's a progression. We are supposed to be sponges and we are supposed to learn endlessly. But I've always surrounded myself with great chefs. Yes. So they've always mentored me. And, you know, like Julie Sharp is my mentor over in the UK. And, you know, I still call her now and, Mm-hmm. ask her questions and she's just 
amazing John Williams. I mean, everyone in the UK would know him and he runs the Ritz Hotel and he's transformed that. Um, yeah, like brilliant. And I remember speaking to Gordon because Gordon Ramsay, because we speak at Claridge and he was upstairs. Yes. And so you should go work with my um, friend Matt Moran. I think it's Matt Moran. The next thing you know, we're on a TV show together. So, you know, it's a small world, but I think put in the hours and you will be rewarded. If you don't want to put the hours, and that's fine. Yes. Some of us are chefs and some of us just go in and do our job, and that's nothing wrong Yeah. Uh, yeah. with that. You know, just different people. Totally agree. Um, when people first work with you, are they often surprised at how hard you work? Like, and the reason I ask that is you are, quote, yeah. unquote, a celebrity chef, right? And obviously that has been the celebrity chefness has been huge the last 20 years, um, especially with people like Jamie Oliver and, and that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> are people just surprised, Anna, at how, how oh, hard you work? <laughs> they're just like, she's a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> so I am, you know, because I get obsessive what I'm doing and creating and, and everything and I'm not just, like you see a fun, quirky chef, mm-hmm. but I'm also very disciplined. Yes. If you come in just on, the, on time, yeah, you're in trouble for mm. the whole day. Mm-hmm. You know, you say, yes, chef, we respect each other. We have no arrogance in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, we're all equal and that's just how it is. Like, I don't mind. Well, obviously, we didn't scrub the floors at, you know, Shangri-La, which we were lucky because we had kitchen hands. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if we had to clean down our kitchen and stuff, I was in there with them. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I don't mind doing any of that. Mm-hmm. But I think they were, they were a bit shocked. Mm. They expect the glamorous life but never saw really the, back, you know, the hard work that went into it. Yeah. They're always the first, last out. I'm so fine with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, how? But, you know, can I jump in? But when oh, they please. want selfies, they're not getting the job. <laughs> oh, my God. How do you, you know how many times I had this guy that was going to be my pastry chef and he, and he does his desserts and then he starts taking photos and posting on Instagram. I'm like, oh, oh, no. I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> and then there was another one going, Cher, thank you so much for the interview. Can we take a selfie? I'm like, oh. you know, we're here to just, nah, not hiring him. And they were good. Yes. I can't, hire, I can't hire it. Can't do it. How do you balance that though when you're out and, and you know, um, you know, no, people from without, I was going to say normal people, uh, <laughs> people from without the in, uh, outside the industry come up to you and go, Anna, 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 can I have a, a photo or I love your book or whatever? Like how, how do you sort of deal with that? Does it, is um, it a challenge? I, I struggled at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And I had to call Zumbo and, you know, I always love ads and have a lot of respect for ads and yes. everything because he is the one that made us rock stars in our industry yes. for pastry chefs. And yes. We all need to remember that. Mm. Um, and he just said to me, they're not here to harm you. They're not here to do anything wrong by you. Mm-hmm. They just want a simple photo. Yeah. And I know it's very overwhelming for you because it's new for you, yes. but you've always wanted this. Mm. So I've always keep that in the back of my mind. And I think that if people weren't coming up, you know, to me for photos or signatures or for a chat, then I'm not doing my job right. Yeah. So the fact that they're doing it, I'm forever grateful for that, you know, because they're going to be the ones that buy my book. They're the ones that are going to come into my restaurant. They're going to come into the hotel. Mm-hmm. They're going to support me and keep me on TV or whatever it may be and keep my staff in jobs. Yeah. So thank you, you know, like forever grateful. And thank you very much to Adriano. Like he's a legend. Like I love ads, very yeah. talented. And what he's done for our industry, can't forget that. Yeah, absolutely. He's a he's an awesome character. I've been lucky enough to have him on the podcast. Uh, I'm very quirky, mate. Yes, quirky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what, how do you how do you sort of switch off? Because you are doing so much. Um, do you have you know? Do you try and make sure you do have some sort of life outside food, or is everything sort of interacting with? 
your job or your love of love of the industry? I DJ. Okay, so, tell me about this, please. So, I have read this. <laughs> so I don't know. Like my missus always like, you know, why do you DJ? I said I DJ because I zone out. So I zone out what's going on out there. Yes. And I just zone in, like obviously what I'm doing. I'm concentrating about how to put, you know, beats per minute together. Yeah. What's the audience going to like? And it's, it's funny because when I cook, I look at what the audience, how they consume my product. Yeah. So when I play music, I look at what music they like. And it's always the classics. It's the classics with the food. It's the classics with the music. Mm. I don't know. Like I really pump, you know, I love it. So, you know, Delicious Magazine, obviously I'm the resident DJ. Mm-hmm. You know, Kerry just invited me to a Christmas party at her house. I think she just wants to be DJ for her. Yes. Um, but, you know, just I, I love that. And obviously I go to the gym in the mornings with friends. And I think it's more of a social gathering, to be honest. Yeah, sure. Uh, but it's the fact that I go there, it keeps my mind clear-headed. And then we have a coffee and it's a beautiful start to the day. Mm-hmm. You know, and that keeps me just calmer. But I do do a lot of trips away as well. Yeah. But I'm always working. And yeah. I shouldn't say working, I'm always growing. Yeah. And developing. And that's just, that's how I see it. Is, is it hard not to think about like the next dish you want to create and all that kind of stuff? Or you just, you know, now that's always going to be in your head. So you're just complacent with the fact that that's going to happen. Well, I'm focusing more on, you know, when we spoke earlier about savoury dishes. Yes, yes. So going home in two weeks and what I'm doing is I'm trying to find nonnas, you know, like grandmothers, mm. you know, older generation and just go into making bread country style. Mm-hmm. I'm learning how to cook the meat properly in the wood fire. Mm-hmm. We're actually going, we've organised to go to the farm to get our milk so we can make the ricotta, that then we make the halloumi cheese, yep. that we then make halloumi bread, that we then the men are sitting there cooking their meat cuts different cuts of meat in the wood fire and yes. the potatoes in there and then we're doing all these other Greek feasts. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you do you watch Married at First Sight? Like I'm a massive yes. fan. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, so Martha's grandma opens up pillow pastry like crazy. Yes. You know? I don't know if she's got the same personality, but I'm going to her house to just do some baking goods there. Because mm-hmm. she's old generation. I just want to go some going back into my culture. You know, getting my produce from the garden. Like mum was picking zucchini flowers, zucchini flowers, zucchinis. Amazing. Yes. Um, getting the eggs from the um, chickens as well. So it just shows you, like, oh, going back into all that. Like, I love it. How did that? How did that come about? How did that idea come about? Um, my manager was actually saying, "You've got to, you know, like everyone knows you for those loud, you know, piñatas in the gingerbread house." So she goes, yes. "Let's just let everyone focus on you being able to cook." I yes. think people don't realise, you know, your background and what you've done and how you cook and everything. Mm-hmm. And I thought, God, you know, like, do I need to release a good, great cookbook? You know, do I need to introduce people to my culture? Do they need to understand that I can actually cook savoury and sweet? Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, Shangri-La used to write the savoury afternoon tea items and when we used to do events and my name was attached to it, so I yeah. would go in and show the boys you know, how to do a beautiful jus or how to break down chicken and mm-hmm. because I would just want the breast and the carcass, what would I do with the stocks and sauces? And mm-hmm. they're just like, what is she doing? <laughs> you know, because they didn't, they, they were never aware of that. But I just, I love all that. You yeah. know, I just, I couldn't think of anything better. I'm just, I'm just so impressed that you still do so much of the savoury stuff and, and that oh, you're, okay. yeah, you, you're so much known for the, for the, for the sweet stuff. Like, do, do you think that's going to be a challenge a challenge to transition into savory, you know, in the next in the yeah. next couple of like years, if you want to move to that way, because people yeah, know still, you as this pastry, like this incredible pastry chef. No, I'll still have obviously pastry. Mm. That would always be my, you know, my thing. But I think it would be nice that if you go to an event that I'm 
hosting, yes. so you're going to be able to get the savory side that I've created as well. Yeah. And that's where that comes into it as well. Yes. You know what I mean? So we're actually going to go do a, um, an event at a winery. Well. And they're like, oh, Anna, why don't we just do an orange? And let's just do all sweets. And I'm like, mate, to be honest, as much as I love sweets, no one wants to eat any more five courses of sweets. Yeah. Because everyone's changed their taste buds. I go, although what I can actually do is I do snacks like canapé stuff. So we're doing like, for example, lukumades mm. with halloumi in there. So it's a, like it's a lukumades, you know, donut kind yes. of thing. Yes. You know, and we're going to do like a, um, a jam with it as well. So you scoop it up and eat it. And then we'll do, you know, potato um, pom fondants. You know how you just like that yes. thing? And then we're going to stuff it with um, garamasalaga and caviar with it. Oh, wow. Salmon root. You know, like all that kind of stuff. You yeah, know, you're playing with sweet and savoury at the same time. Like it's really, 100%. really smart. But it's just, it's it's presented well. It's tasty. Mm. And that's what it is, you know. We're even going to get, you know, chicks with like this, you know, like, how do you say it? Like, you know, there's the box and they just shuck the oysters and they give it out and everything. Mm-hmm. I have two more questions before I let you go, if that's okay. And I do of appreciate course. your time today. Um, the first one is, what do you, th- do you think there's going to be, what do you think there's going to be positive that's going to come out of this COVID crisis and about the challenge to the industry as a whole across Australia? Like, do you, do you see some positives coming through that you're excited about? Um, I think for me, it's more about, you know, the fact that we're starting to support local, mm. local restaurants, you know, like visiting our, you know, our backyard. And when we say backyards, you know, our country towns and stuff. Yes. And I love the fact that you're trying to book somewhere, but it's fully booked. Yes. Because I know that our money is going back into the community. Yep. I love the fact that we're sourcing, you know, like produce is locally sourced. We're not sourcing it from overseas. People are starting to get educated about, mm. you know, season you know, seasonal produce. Yes. And that's really important. So I can't wait for us to start supporting and growing our, our businesses locally. Yeah. You know, people aren't sourcing stuff overseas anymore. They understand the importance about keeping the money in Australia. Yeah. That's what I'm excited about. And also the way that people are adapting during these times. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm seeing not so fancy pantsy food, but fresh produce that it, their land speak for itself. So I don't know. I love that. I, th- I think both... I, I totally agree with everything you just said. I think that both the industry, chefs, owners, and consumers are actually thinking now. Yes. They're, they're thinking yeah. about what happens. They're, they're thinking about how a dish is created, how much that should actually cost, where that product is actually coming from, um, like how we stay sustainable, you know, and by sustainable I mean keeping businesses open and, and actually supporting the industry. So, yeah. I totally agree with everything you just said. Oh, I love it. And, you know, seeing people now, you know, going to the markets a lot more mm. and people cooking at home so they understand the time and effort it goes into making sourdough bread, for example. Yes. Or mm-hmm. cooking, you know, like people are starting to make, you know, pasta from scratch but understanding the process. Mm-hmm. So then when they go out to a restaurant, they can actually respect that and appreciate it. Yeah. So I love that. You know, I love the fact that people were cooking at home. Now they actually just want to go out to the restaurants. But they're going locally. Yes. They're not going to all to the big names, but they're going to their local restaurants that are, you know, around the area. And that's good, great to see. Now, we're always dining out now, even more than before. Yes, me um, too. Because we want to make sure that the money is going back into restaurants. Yeah. yeah. And our industry. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we need to keep the talent in the industry and making sure that it's um, generating for, for the next couple of years for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, my last question, as I've asked every guest uh, the last couple of months, what 
are you looking forward to the most in 2021, Anna? 2021. Okay, so writing another book. Awesome. For myself and mm-hmm. going Greek this time. Awesome. So very different. Mm-hmm. So appreciating family a lot mm-hmm. more for 2021. I think, you know, COVID made us realise the importance about family and culture and and local produce for me personally. Mm. Um, but you know what? I'm so ready for whatever. <laughs> You know, like I'm, I'm excited about the fact that I'm going to be cooking with mum again. That's the side yeah. that I'm excited about. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the next opportunity I have to go back into another hotel or restaurant and building the team. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, I'm just up for any challenge. You know, what's next? I love it. You know, I, I get a rush for that. So they can throw anything at me and I'm excited about it. <laughs> as long as I'm learning, developing and giving back to our industry, that's all that matters for me. Yeah, um, I'm sure the industry is, um, I know the industry is so appreciative to have you around, Anna. Um, uh, thank you. What is the best way that people can find out about everything that you are doing currently? Um, Instagram, I'm always very active on that. Yes. But my website goes live in 2021. We're going to hold it back this year mm-hmm. and launch in 2021. So there'll be cookbooks, there'll be newsletters out, there'll be a whole thing about information and video content and everything. So that's cool. the best way. Can't wait to um, see what you do next year. And thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. It was a great, um, great honour and also made me realise all the great things I've done in the past. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Anna. You're a legend. Thank you. Have a good one. You too.